0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey,
2: everyone. My name is Claude, and I run very fast so fast that I can easily overtake the car. I consider it my gift, which I've always actively used. But soon I was banned from running, and this literally put me at a dead end. Surely many of you have watched the movie Forrest Gump and seen how fast the main character runs. Believe me, I can run much faster than him. Even as a child, I noticed how I can easily overtake my classmates at school. I participated in various school competitions. The teacher, seeing my potential, even sent me to the city relay races, where I took one victory after another. He kept telling me that I had a real gift, and that inspired me to develop it. I trained hard every day to improve my skills. Soon, they began to send me to cross-country races where adults participated, although I was still a child. And even there, I managed to take the first place without much effort. Once someone suspected that I was using doping, because of these suspicions, I was tested before every competition. But nothing could be detected in my blood, since I had never used anything forbidden to win. So year after year passed, and when I turned 17, I achieved an unprecedented result. I could overtake the car at high speed. I know it's hard to believe, but I've been training several times a day for many years. This allowed me to get into the Guinness Book of Records They wrote about me in newspapers and various blogs, and also often asked me to demonstrate my abilities. I became a real celebrity, not only in my state, but also in the country. However, it played a cruel trick on me. When people found out that I would participate in the next competition, they simply refused them, seeing no point in competing with me. At first, I was flattered because I felt invincible. And then, the organizers simply forbade me to run in cross-country, relay races, and marathons. This was justified by the fact that the participants do not have any excitement. Even the spectators no longer came to the stands to cheer, because they knew the obvious winner. I was refused once, twice. And then, they simply imposed a permanent ban on absolutely all competitions. At first, I was not particularly upset, as I began to be invited to various shows. There, I was like a real phenomenon, the center of everyone's attention. I was happy to show my abilities, overtaking cars, but soon the television began to refuse me, because people were tired of watching the same thing. I was very upset, because I really enjoyed winning and receiving awards. I considered it the meaning of my life. This hit me so hard on my ego that I decided not to give up just like that and illegally make my way to the running competitions. First, I asked my elder brother to sign up for one of them. My brother didn't come, but I came instead. But as soon as the organizers saw a familiar face, they immediately kicked me off the field. It was an unsuccessful attempt, but I did not intend to give up. One day, in the middle of a cross-country race, I just cut into a row of participants who had just started the race, But as soon as I came to the finish line first, I was immediately issued a large fine for violating the rules. However, I did not get off with one fine. The cross-country team caught me after the competition. They were furious at my insolence. At that moment, my quick feet could no longer help me. As a result, a fight ensued in which I paid for my arrogance. But even that didn't stop me. Then, I went to extreme measures. I had to completely change my image and even dye my hair. And I signed up using a different name. Thus, in several competitions, I came second, giving in to others. But in the end, I could not resist. And at the next marathon, I overtook everyone by three laps. Of course, I was immediately identified and kicked out, assigning another fine. My parents were not happy with my behavior. They kept telling me to find something else to do. But what else could I do if running was my reason for living? There was nothing else that attracted me so much. But I still tried to follow their advice. First of all, I decided to improve my knowledge at school because after the ban on participating in competitions, the teachers stopped overestimating my grades. But studying seemed terribly boring to me, and I literally fell asleep in class. Once, the teacher even woke me up in the middle of class. Imagine this situation, there is silence in the class, he explains the material, and suddenly muffled snoring is heard. The guys were funny, but the teacher was not. Because of this, he sent me to the headmaster. But he did not impose any punishment, recalling past achievements. I tried everything, books, drawing, and even embroidery, but it was insanely tiring. I started running for myself, but there was no interest in it because I wanted to compete with someone. And then one day, I finally got a great opportunity. A girl from Canada named Susan challenged me. She had been following my Instagram for a long time, and she had a cherished dream to overtake me. This caused me a little excitement, but I didn't really believe that she could beat me because I'm considered the fastest person in the world. We agreed to meet in a week. I didn't even really train, knowing that it would be an easy fight. But unfortunately, I overestimated my capabilities. Susan has never shown her abilities on display. She ran and trained for herself. She only occasionally took part in some city relay races, so nothing was known about her. But she was running so fast that she still managed to overtake me for a split second just before the finish line. I couldn't believe it. Susan was elated, and I was shocked. How could this girl beat me? I asked for a rematch, but I lost both the second and third times. I had hoped that my loss would remain between us, but I didn't know then that we had been filmed all this time. The video where Susan overtakes me appeared on the network on the same day in her profile. It has gained a lot of views, likes, and comments. No one could believe that she was able to outrun the fastest person in the world. Most were inclined to think it was a montage, and to prove her abilities to everyone, Susan recorded an address in which she challenged me. I agreed, because I really wanted to beat this girl up. The race was due to take place in a few days, and I began to prepare more carefully for it. On day X, I was more ready than ever, a lot of viewers came to see us, as well as reporters and bloggers. As soon as we started, I had no doubt that the victory was in my pocket because I was ahead of Susan, but she passed me again just before the finish line and won the race. Then there was the second stage with the car. It was our third opponent. Since I was already exhausted, both Susan and the car were able to get around me. I fell into a kind of stupor. Everyone was congratulating Susan on her stunning victory, and I wanted to sink into the ground I didn't think that some kind of loss could hit my pride so hard. My opponent did not make fun of me or mock me. On the contrary, she thanked me for being her inspiration and helping to realize her dream. Oddly enough, Susan, unlike me, never aspired to fame. She just wanted to prove herself. After this incident, We were invited to the demonstration cross-country races, but Susan constantly refused, saying that she had already fulfilled her dream. I even tried to persuade her by myself, because I really wanted to beat Susan and regain my status as the fastest person in the world, but it was all useless. I was never allowed to go to the regular competitions because the ban on running remained, and I thought for a long time what I could do with myself so that I would not be bored, and the decision came by itself. One day, I received an invitation to join a junior football team. It turns out that they wanted to invite me for a long time, but I was constantly busy with running competitions. The team needed a fast player like me. At first, I thought it was a bad idea, but then I changed my mind. This team has never won prizes, but thanks to me, it was able to reach the top. I liked the long hours of training and the frequent matches, I got a lot more pleasure from winning than before because there were stronger opponents who were not faster than me but more agile and professional. Would
1: you? Ava was an enigma wrapped in a conundrum. A brilliant mind, cleverly disguised by a facade of charming naivety. She had learned from an early age that her intellect often intimidated others, especially the opposite gender. So, she chose to hide it. Ava's days revolved around code breaking, encrypted languages, and complex algorithms. Her work required her to think like a supercomputer, but outside her office, she was just a regular girl. This evening was no different. Ava found herself on a date with Dave at her favorite Italian restaurant. Dave was a handsome firefighter who had no clue about her secret genius. As Dave shared anecdotes of daring rescues and dangerous fires, Ava would gasp at the right moments, her eyes wide with astonishment. She was convincingly playing her part. Ava navigated her secret life with precision, never revealing too much, always maintaining an air of simplicity and naivety. Her facade was her sanctuary and her curse. One day, Ava's secret life was threatened. She received a complex encrypted message at work. It was a cybersecurity threat to her company, and only she could decipher it. She spent hours solving the code, oblivious to the time. By the time she finished, it was way past dinner and she had stood Dave up for a movie date. Ava quickly sent an apology to Dave, citing work issues for her absence. She felt guilty but was too embroiled in her work to think about it in detail. The next day, Dave confronted Ava demanding an explanation for her erratic behavior. She made up a story about a hard day at work, hoping to pacify him. To Ava's surprise, Dave was not only pacified, but also intrigued. He encouraged her to open up. This was the first time she had to consider revealing her secret. Ava hesitated. She had lived this lie, for so long, it had become her identity. But a part of her craved to be seen, to be loved, for who she truly was. That night, she decided to tell Dave the truth, shedding her false identity. She decided to reveal her intellect, hoping to find acceptance in Dave's eyes. When she told him, the initial shock on Dave's face unsettled her. She had expected disappointment, fear, or even anger. But what she saw was awe and admiration. Dave respected her more for her intellectual prowess. He was humbled by her modesty and charmed by her brilliance. Ava felt a new sense of liberation. In Dave, Ava found an ally, someone who accepted her for who she was. He didn't just love her despite her genius, he loved her because of it. Ava began to realize that her fear of revealing her true self had been holding her back. She wanted to live her life freely, not disguised under a false identity. Slowly, she started embracing her genius in front of others. She revealed her intellectual capacity to her friends, family, and eventually, her co-workers. It was a difficult transition, but Ava was relentless. She was surprised by the support and acceptance she received. Her fears began to recede, replaced by newfound confidence. Ava was no longer living a lie. She felt liberated, true to herself. Her genius was no longer a secret, but something she was proud of. Dave stood by her side through this transition, his love unwavering. They grew closer, their bond strengthening with each revelation about Ava's genius. Ava's life evolved in ways she hadn't imagined, she was respected and adored for her strength of mind. Her intellect was now her most attractive feature. Ava went on to excel in her career, using her genius for the betterment of her company. She became an inspiration for other women, who admired her courage and talent. Ava's story became a testament to embracing one's uniqueness. She demonstrated that hiding one's true self only limits one's potential. Ava was no longer the hidden genius, she was simply a genius. Dave and Ava's relationship bloomed over time, they respected each other's strengths and supported each other's weaknesses. Their love story was one of acceptance and authenticity. Ava's journey taught her that playing dumb does not make someone more attractive. It's one's intellect, kindness, and authenticity that truly matter. She vowed never to hide her true self again. Ava's story is a reminder that pretending to be someone you're not will only lead to discontent. Embrace your unique qualities, no matter how different they may seem. Authenticity is the key to genuine happiness.
0: Hey. My name is Tom, and I've always struggled with my weight. I've been overweight for as long as I can remember. Tired of feeling down about myself, I decided to join a gym to improve my health and fitness. As I walked in, I was immediately intimidated by all the fit and muscular people working out around me, but I was determined to make a change. The gym coach, Jake, was the epitome of the popular guy. Athletic, cocky, and always surrounded by his equally fit friends. To make matters worse, he had a stunning athletic girlfriend named Amy. I couldn't help but feel embarrassed by my body and lack of fitness compared to everyone else, especially Amy. As I started working out, I found it really difficult to keep up with the routines, and Jake's continuous mockery only made me feel worse. One day, as I struggled to finish a set of push-ups, Jake sauntered over with a smirk on his face. Hey, Tom! You know, it's uh, not a competition to see who can do the fewest push ups in a minute, he sneered, clearly enjoying my discomfort. Trying to brush off his comments, I replied, Well, at least I'm trying, Jake. Rome wasn't built in a day, you know? Jake laughed, unimpressed by my comeback. True, but at this rate, you'll be ripped and ready for the cover of Nerdy Fitness Weekly in a lifetime. During a group workout session, Jake decided to pair people up for partner exercises. To my dismay, He paired me with his girlfriend, Amy. As we started the routine, I could feel Jake's eyes on us, ready to pounce on any opportunity to humiliate me. When we moved on to partner squats, Jake couldn't resist by making another dig. Wow, Tom, you're really struggling there. Maybe you should just try squatting with a book instead of Amy. You know, something more your speed. Despite the embarrassment, I refused to let Jake's taunts get the better of me. Very funny, Jake. I'm just getting warmed up. As the days went by, the humiliation only intensified. During a cardio session, Jake sneered. Maybe you should lose some weight first before attempting this, Tom. Don't pass out this time like you did last week. I gritted my teeth and responded. Thanks for the concern, but I've got this, Jake. In another instance, while I was struggling to use the weight machines, Jake mockingly suggested, Hey, Tom, don't break the equipment with all that weight you're carrying. We wouldn't want to have to replace it. I rolled my eyes and retorted, Don't worry, Jake. I think your ego is a greater threat to this place than I am. One day, as I stumbled during a workout, Jake jeered. Did you just roll off the couch, Tom? You really shouldn't be here among us athletes. This gym is no place for druggies and dropouts. Frustrated by his relentless bullying, I snapped back. You know what, Jake? I may not be as fit as you, but at least I'm working on it. Could you say the same about your personality? Little did I know that my life was about to take a surprising turn, and Jake's attempt to mock me would backfire in a way he never expected. Despite Jake's continuous mockery, I started noticing that Amy didn't share her boyfriend's mean-spirited attitude. In fact, she was nothing like the popular stereotype I had expected her to be. She was kind, supportive, and even encouraging as we worked out together. Come on, Tom. You can do it. Just a few more reps she'd say during our training sessions, her voice full of genuine encouragement. Under Amy's guidance and support, I began to make significant progress at the gym. My strength and endurance improved, and I started to excel in the exercises. Jake, however, only seemed to intensify his humiliating tactics. One day, as I struggled to lift a particularly heavy weight, Jake called out, Careful, Tom. Don't want you to get a hernia or something. The whole gym laughed as my face turned red with embarrassment. As Amy and I grew closer, Jake's jealousy and possessiveness started to show. He would hover around us during workouts, making snide remarks and trying to belittle me at every opportunity. He even went as far as accusing me of trying to steal his girlfriend. Things came to a head when Jake claimed to have caught Amy and me kissing on his 4K camera. He stormed into the gym one day, waving his phone around like a trophy, and confronted us in front of everybody. You two have been sneaking around behind my back, huh? Well, guess what? I've got proof. Amy, clearly fed up with Jake's behavior, took a deep breath and looked him in the eye. Jake, it's over between us. I can't be with someone who treats people the way you do. You're constantly putting Tom down, but he's shown me that there's more to life than just being fit and popular. The gym fell silent, everyone staring at the unfolding drama. I stepped forward, taking Amy's hand in mine. Jake, you've got to learn that it's not about how you look or what you can do physically. It's about how you treat people and what kind of person you are inside. Jake stood there, stunned, as Amy and I walked out of the gym together, hand in hand. In the days that followed, word spread about what had happened. People started to look up to me, not only because of my newfound confidence and gym prowess, but also because I had shown them that being a good person matters more than popularity. In the following weeks, Amy and I continued to grow closer, our bonds stronger than ever. But Jake couldn't accept that things were over between him and Amy. He resorted to stalking us making our lives miserable with his unwelcome presence. One evening, as Amy and I sat down for a romantic dinner at a local restaurant, Jake sauntered in uninvited. He pointed at me, sneering, Hey, Tom, couldn't you at least put on a decent shirt? You look like a homeless guy. Are you sure you can afford this place? During one of our weekend outings to the park, Jake appeared out of nowhere. A smug grin plastered on his face. He looked at my worn-out sneakers and said loudly, What's the matter, Tom? Did you have to fish those out of a dumpster? How pathetic. As Amy and I walked through the mall, Jake followed us from store to store, making snide remarks about my inability to afford the latest trends. Oh, look at Tom, browsing the sales rack like he's hunting for treasure. Gotta pinch those pennies, huh? At a local coffee shop where Amy and I were enjoying a quiet afternoon, Jake burst in and started ridiculing me in front of everyone. Hey, Tom, I bet you're only here because they have free Wi-Fi. Can't afford internet at home, can you? That's just sad. One day, as Amy and I were headed to the movies, Jake intercepted us, feigning concern. Are you sure you wanna go in there, Tom? Last I heard, they don't accept food stamps for movie tickets. Despite Jake's constant harassment, I remained patient, determined not to let him ruin my newfound happiness. One day, I decided it was time to reveal a secret I had kept hidden. I was actually a millionaire. My wealth had accumulated through smart investments and a successful business, but the stress of all of it led me to gain weight. Now, this should be interesting, I mused as I shared the news with Amy, who was ecstatic. Together, we decided it was time to use my wealth for a greater purpose and see how Jake would react. When Jake caught wind of the news, he was stunned. He approached me hesitantly, his voice dripping with disbelief. Is it true, Tom? Are you really rich? I grinned. My eyes twinkling with amusement, yes, Jake, it's true, but my wealth doesn't define who I am. I've learned that true happiness comes from the relationships we build and the person we become. I announced that I would be starting a charity to combat bullying and create a safe space for those affected by it. As part of the initiative, I would be purchasing the gym where we all worked out and appointing Amy as the top trainer. Surprise, Jake! You never really know who you're mocking, do you? I teased reveling in his shock. But don't worry, I have a proposition for you too. I extended an invitation to Jake, offering him a chance to participate in the charity and help out at the gym. But there was a catch. His role at the gym would be that of a janitor. It was an opportunity for him to learn humility and the value of hard work. As I reveled in the idea of Jake's newfound humility, another unexpected revelation came to light. It turned out that Jake had been hiding a secret of his own. He was the heir to a massive fortune, But he had been concealing it in order to live a normal life, away from the pressures of wealth and expectation. When his secret was revealed, the dynamic between Jake, Amy, and me shifted dramatically. No longer driven by jealousy and insecurity, Jake embraced his role as a janitor at the gym and became an active participant in the charity. It seemed that by revealing my own wealth, I had inadvertently allowed Jake to come to terms with his. We confronted Jake about his hidden fortune, and he was surprisingly candid about it. Yeah, it's true i've been hiding my wealth to live a life where i'm not constantly judged by my bank account but seeing you tom being open about your riches and using them for good it's made me realize that i can do the same the gym community witnessing our transformations rallied around us we all worked together to create a better more inclusive environment with amy leading the way as head trainer as we focused on combating bullying and promoting kindness and respect we discovered that true success and happiness don't come from wealth or popularity, but again, from the relationships we build and the people we become. In the weeks that followed, the bonds between us all grew stronger. Jake, now humbled and dedicated to making a difference, became an essential part of our charitable endeavors, and I continued to use my resources for the greater good. It was a testament to the power of redemption and the importance of the relationships we form in our lives. Just when it seemed like everything was finally falling into place, Another twist emerged. A mysterious benefactor had been supporting the gym all along. This anonymous individual had been responsible for keeping the gym afloat during tough times and was now ready to reveal their identity. To our astonishment, the mysterious benefactor was none other than Jake's long-lost father, who had been monitoring his son's actions from afar. I wanted to see if you could change, Jake, his father explained. I'm proud to see that you have. As Jake stood in belief, Amy chimed in. Looks like life has a way of teaching us all a lesson or two. Huh, Jake. With newfound humility and a chance at redemption, Jake embraced his role at the gym and in the charity, proving that we all have the power to change for the better.
3: Do you believe in fate? Well, I never did. I'm a 21-year-old college student studying finance and banking. So, yeah, numbers are my forte. Therefore, I'm a logical thinker. Horoscopes and chance meetings? As if. But then I met someone who changed it all. I'm Kai, by the way, and let me tell you my story. It all started one evening while studying. I got a serious craving for some Cheetos, so I went out to get some. That's when I saw a petite girl shouting at two huge guys in the park. Hey, Bigfoot, did you really just litter? Pick it up now or I'll give you a good going over. Oh man, did this girl have a death wish? And was she drunk? The two guys didn't look happy. They approached her, and one of them even raised his hand up like he was going to hit her. But she quickly pushed his hand away, which only made him madder. Man, I didn't want to get involved in this. So I pretended I hadn't seen them and walked off. But then I was just a few steps away. I heard one of the guys scream. And the other guy said, What the gross? I could have just carried on walking, but nope. My curiosity got the better of me. So I turned around and saw that one guy was covered in vomit. Then the girl pointed at me and said, Honey, there you are. Then she fainted. Huh? I didn't know her. I was staring at them, looking perplexed, when one of the dudes yelled, Why are you still standing there? Quickly take your crazy girlfriend home if you don't want to taste my fist. I was so scared, I hurried over and carried this girl off. I had no idea who she was or where she lived. Um, this was crazy. I placed her down on a nearby bench and looked around for those guys, but luckily they'd gone. I didn't know what to do, so I left her there and walked off. But then I started to feel bad. Was I too heartless? What if something else happened to her? So I went back and gave the girl a piggyback ride back to my house. Jeez, she was so much heavier than she looked. As soon as I dropped her onto the couch, her phone rang, so I answered it. Hello? Then the person on the other end of the line asked, Who are you? Where's my friend? I muttered out my address and was about to tell her to come pick up her friend, but she already hung up. Why was she so rude? I'd almost bust my back carrying her friend to safety. How annoying. This night has been far too dramatic for me, and worse still, I didn't have any Cheetos. I decided to take a shower, then get some sleep. But as soon as I stepped out of the bathroom, the doorbell rang. I presumed it must be the girl's friend, so I answered the door. Then two cops immediately pushed me against the wall and handcuffed me. Before I could fathom what was happening, one of them said kidnap and assault accusations had been made against me, and I was escorted to the station. What? I tried to explain what happened, but they wouldn't listen to me. That night, as I sat in the cold, uninviting cell, I found myself regretting my kindness. I didn't sleep a wink. I just hoped the next morning came quickly so that I could confront that girl about this false accusation. But before I could do that, the cops released me at dawn. The girl had sobered up and told them it was all just a misunderstanding. Well, luckily, she still remembered a bit, or else I didn't dare to imagine it anymore. I swore I would never get involved with anyone in need ever again. No good deed goes unpunished. For real. A few days later, when I was watching TV, someone knocked on my door. And you wouldn't believe it. It's the drunk girl. I looked at her suspiciously. What are you doing here? The girl didn't say anything. Instead, she coldly slipped past me and entered my house. Huh? What was she playing at? Then she glared at me and asked me about that night. After I told her everything that happened, she laughed. Okay, I believe you. If I didn't, you'd know about it. She held her fist in front of me. I startled and almost fell off my chair. Then she chuckled. Now I'm hungry. Go make your guests some food. What was with this girl? She was so direct and bold. I glanced at her and said no, but she continued. If you don't, I'll go to the cops and change my statement. Then she got up to leave, so I quickly said, okay, okay, fine. Then reluctantly searched my cupboards for food. Ah, Trusted spaghetti, how you never fail me. So I prepared Balinese for us. While she was eating, she said, I'm Nora, by the way, the best screenplay writer major in the country. She winked. She thanked me for the food, then left. Phew, that'd be it now, surely. Nope, turns out this was just the beginning. The next morning, she texted me. Come pick me up for college ASAP, else I'm calling the cops. Was she being serious? Then she sent me another message with her address and told me to hurry up. I rushed over there, and she got into my car, glared at me, and said, You're late. And that's how I somehow became this Nora girl's servant. Her calls and messages could come at any time. And she would always force me to do things for her straight away. One time I was soaking in the bath when she texted and demanded I bring her some chocolate. Another time she called me at 2 a.m. and told me she was bored, so I had to come over and play some video games with her. I also became her unpaid Uber driver. Every day, from home to school and back, and it's inevitable that I overslept once, so Nora bombarded my phone with tons of texts and calls. I groggily answered, and she used her calling the cops threat again to force me to get there in 15 minutes. What a pain in the neck. Another time, I just stepped out of the house to go and hang out with my friends when Nora showed up and insisted that I had to take her to the cinema. She wouldn't take no for an answer, so I had to cancel on my friends and go watch some bland movie with her. Such a troublesome girl, right? But strangely, as time went by, I started to find Nora less annoying, and instead, found myself smiling when she texted me or called. On the days when she didn't bother me, well, my mood seemed to dampen. Was I crazy? I mean, she was cute, very spontaneous, and, well, there was no one else quite like her. But then, all of a sudden, the messages and calls stopped. Did she not want me around anymore? I miss Nora. Many times, I had to stop myself from calling her. I should be happy I was out of Nora's control, right? Then one day out of the blue, my phone beeped. It was Nora. Come to the Starbucks on Vincent Street. Move it. You have five minutes. Jeez, that bossy tone again. Still, I immediately drove to the address. When I got there, I saw Nora with a guy and a girl. I walked over to them and just sat down. Nora held my arm. Honey, why are you so late? I stared at her in surprise. She smiled and turned to the other two. This is Kai, my boyfriend. What? Did I get it wrong? Did she just say I was her boyfriend? Then she said, Kai, this is my former bestie Kim and her boyfriend Greg, who's also my ex. Awkward, right? But I have you now so we can all be friends. Reading the situation, I realized I had to go along with it. So I stroked her hair and said, Yes, my honey muffin, anything you want. My cheesy lines seemed to work as they both looked annoyed then left. So I turned to look at Nora and stammered. Did you just say I'm your boyfriend? Nora said nonchalantly, Yeah, isn't that okay? If you don't like it, forget it. Then she was about to leave. I pulled her hand and said, Yes, of course. Sounds great. So that's how we became an official couple. We went on a few dates, and she was her usual demanding self. Not that I'd want her any other way. Then one time, after a month of dating, Nora dragged me to a swan lake in a nearby park. She looked at me for a long time and then said, Kai, I'm studying abroad for a year. I leave tomorrow. I glared at her in surprise and asked why she hadn't told me sooner. She continued, I guess I didn't want to make you sad, and I don't know if your feelings are big enough, so write down your feelings for me and give them to me tomorrow. That night, I carefully wrote down all my thoughts and feelings for her. I still had hope that this one year of long-distance love would be over quickly. The next day, I drove her to the airport and handed her my letter. To my surprise, Nora also gave me a letter and told me over and over that I could only read it when I got home. Of course, I obeyed her, then read it as soon as I passed my door, and whoa, I wasn't expecting this. In it, Nora confessed all this time she was just using me to get revenge on her ex, and took advantage of me to get over him. That night we had first met, she found out about him and Kim, but now she regretted how she treated me. At the end of the letter, she wrote, If fate wants us to be together, then we'll meet again one day. What? I was so shocked, so I called to tell her she didn't need to feel guilty, and that I forgave her. I kept calling, but it didn't work. I also asked her friends, but no one knew how to reach her. She disappeared from all social media, and just like that, she vanished from my life. I missed Nora so much and found myself hoping that fate would reunite me with her someday. Then one time while I was surfing YouTube, this web drama called My Destiny is Yours caught my eyes. Curious, I decided to check it out. And I watched Wide-Eyed as my story with Nora played out in front of me through each episode. This definitely was written by Nora. But how would she end it? It stopped at the part where the girl left and cut off all contact with the guy. An announcement popped up on the screen. The finale was launching at 9pm tonight. I anxiously watched the seconds tick by. During the last episode, the two characters met up at a swan lake. I had a hunch, so without a second delay, I immediately ran to the swan lake in the nearby park. My heart flipped when I saw a girl standing there. It was Nora. Man, I ran so fast and hugged her. She hugged me back, then said, I was a little nervous you wouldn't see the movie. Then she smirked. But it doesn't matter anyway. I could have just texted you, come to the Swan Lake now, and you would have come, right? Then we both burst out laughing and continued to hug each other. Well, you see, fate brought me and Nora together. And this logic-loving skeptic is now a big believer in destiny. How about you? Have you found your destiny yet?